Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Elixir Mix. And this week on the panel, we have Ari Eingar. Hello. Alan Weimar. Hello. And me, Sasha Wolf. It's just a panelist episode today, so no special guest this time around. And we picked up a topic I feel has been discussed a lot in the Elixir community over the past years and with a lot of strong opinions being thrown around. We are going to talk about umbrella apps or rather when should you use umbrella apps? Should you use umbrella apps or should you just burn umbrella apps in a fire and never think about them again? Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs and lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topendevs.com slash podcast and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But what I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are going to help you to build the career that you want, right? So whether you want to be an influencer in tech, whether you want to go and just max out your salary and then go live a lifestyle with your family, your friends, or just traveling the world or whatever, I, I want to give you the resources that are going to help you do that. We're going to have career and leadership resources in there, and we're going to be giving you content on a regular basis to help you level up and max out your career. So go check it out at topendevs.com. If you sign up before my birthday, that's December 14th. If you sign up before my birthday, you can get 50% off the lifetime of your subscription. Once again, that's topendevs.com. <laughs> Everybody's nodding furiously when I said that. So we already talked before we hit the record button a bit about, okay, what are our experiences for Umbrella apps? And I actually... Like brought this topic up because at my current job where I'm currently working, we have right now a more microservice or like maybe like self-contained service architecture. And we've taken the decision to move away from that and actually go down a monorepository route. So I have one repository, one code base, which drives it all. And this is like a very recent decision. That means we haven't really decided yet some mod modalities of like, how do we want to move forward with like, do we want an umbrella app? Do we want like one repository of multiple apps, which maybe have path dependencies on each other? Do we want to have like one big app? So all of these are still left in the open. So I felt, hey, let's take this, let's discuss this, and let's figure out like what's our stance on that and what are maybe some things you should know when you develop your Elixir application. So Adi, you actually had already a bit of a spicy take with your current job. Uh, you don't do umbrella apps, right? Yeah, so currently we don't do umbrella apps. So in 2017, like uh, I think 20, late 2016 or early 2017 is when they were new in Elixir, at least, they were a hot topic. And we tried it out at my at my previous company and we loved it because the alternative we had was like Rails and like they had a weird engines that really weren't separated. <laughs> so uh, the ability to like uh, define application dependencies separately was pretty awesome. The ability to define what applications need, what processes need to be started, all that was really cool. But uh, as our apps grew, the configurations started being coupled with each other. It did not really, we realized we could have accomplished all of that without umbrella application that you know we're talking about. And good thing was after the year, year and a half, it was a very easy process to split the apps from umbrella to norm, but I think it took us like a day or two to do that. And, and then it was it was a fairly large app. It's like 45, 50,000 lines long. So uh, yeah, that's the advantage, right? Like if you go that route, uh, it's not that hard to walk back and change. So uh, 
if you want to try it, might as well try it. I guess one advantage too of Umbrella was, and we can talk about it more in, in later too, is like it made it very easy to package the entire app together and deploy, right? Like that's an easier aspect. You have to like manage multiple apps and all that stuff. Yeah, that's true. Like there, there is some configuration around how to assemble basically all the apps into one artifact and deploy that. I don't even know what the story there is right now with releases being part of Mix. Because I like the last time I did use Umbrella apps was before Mix release was a thing. So don't even know what the story there is. I do remember that we, in the one big place we used Umbrella apps, that you could then, I think, reduce the distillery. And there you could say, okay, for, for example, you have multiple different ways to package your app. And then you could say, okay, for this particular packaging, I want these, I want to have these apps. And for that other packaging, I want to have those apps. I don't think we used that. I'm not sure. Maybe we did. Um, but yeah, that, that was a thing. I don't think, I'm not sure if you can do the same with mixed release, to be honest. Yeah, I haven't tried with mixed release, but yeah, distillery is very robust. And like, uh, I know I'm here at a point where we had multiple Phoenix applications in an umbrella. So being able to like define that configuration, like when we deploy it as like this configuration, we run this server and we deploy it as this configuration, we run this server. It was, it was, it was, it was at least good. I'm not going to say that I recommend that, but it was easy. It, it, at least the solution for us to deploy it without necessarily having to change it. Like one, one thing I've noticed, maybe we should give like a super quick definition of what an umbrella app actually is, because maybe not everybody is familiar with it. And it's basically, it's a bit different from when you have a new mix project, so mix new, whatever just creates one app which is what it's called in OTP, right? And what it's called inside of, of like, uh, on the, um, I think, supervision level, where you have multiple apps running. For example, Acto might also be an app, and your application is then also an app. An umbrella app is where you have this one root app, which, to be honest, is a bit weird because it doesn't really do anything except for, like, bundling all the other apps. And then you have, like, a folder instead of lib, you have a folder with apps, and in there, there are multiple distinct separate apps just as you would create with mix new again and one thing it does it basically also merges the configuration and dependencies of these app which on the one hand is nice like when you have a dependency in one part of your apps and you can reuse that in another part of your apps and you don't need to install two separate versions but if you do want to install two separate versions you're left hanging in the open <laughs> because as far as i know that's not possible so yeah it's a bit of a mixed bag there and also configuration like i said is being shared and merged which can have unintended and weird side effects so you can already hear, I, I'm a bit cautious about umbrella apps because I have been burned by this whole thing in the past. Just to also clarify this, I I, I don't know, did this read this a while ago, but uh, I might be wrong uh, or I might be remembering it wrong. I thought umbrella apps were not apps, right? That's why I think in the uh, Elixir documentation and everything, they I think they fixed it uh, to umbrella projects because they're not like Erlang applications. They're actually not, they're just like a shell, Right. It, it, that's is that correct? That's a good. I think. Like my understanding was that those are real OTP apps, mm. but maybe I'm mm. wrong. So yeah. Okay, Alan, do you have any ideas over there? Uh, I remember reading uh, a blog post uh, from I think someone important. I don't think it was Jose, but someone, someone in the important in, in the community that Umbrella apps are not apps. That's why I think they changed uh, the wording. To, they call it projects uh, in the documentation. But. 
Oh, yeah, I was trying to look up the documentation about the umbrella part because I'm still not quite clear about what's the point, right? I feel like you have less less flexibility when you have an umbrella app. As we mentioned before the show, I think there's like three people who I've ever heard out of like definitely in the like 20s of people who've talked about they're trying umbrella apps who actually said it worked out for them. Like for me, I guess it's kind of a little bit, it's like keeping your code together, but then like still having some more distinct separation. I mean, you really cannot run more than one application of some certain type as far as I know, right? Like if you have like uh, Postgres 001 and Postgres 002, you can't do that, right? You only have one version of Postgres running yes. because it's basically a global namespace. That's why I have a really hard time to understand why somebody want to use an umbrella. I would love to hear more about like, it's been a while. I heard in the past about why it worked out for them, but I, I can't remember because it's so long time ago. But I remember that they're trying to work around this idea by using something called a poncho project for like uh, the NERFS projects, which should help. What exactly is a poncho project? I've, I've, I've read that there was also a blog post ages ago from the NERFS team where they said, okay, umbrella apps actually do have a bit of like a pain point for us. I think in the context of NERFS, it was that usually inside of these NERFS umbrella apps, you would have one specific app, which is literally only there for building the firmware and for nothing else. And that is then where they said, okay, this is like, this feels weird, this feels out of place. So they came up with this idea of these poncho apps, which is just a fancy way of saying that you have one app which has a path dependency on other apps. Is this what it is? Or, or how exactly is a poncho app defined? Like I've heard this term being thrown around, but I'm not 100% in the picture of what it means. I mean, it's a play on Umbrella, but it's about protecting yourself from the sides, whereas Umbrella only protects you from the top. Like that was kind of the pun on it. Um, but, but how does it work on a code level? Like what what does it do? I need to, I need to, I'm actually taking a look right now as we're talking because it's been a while since I took a look at it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, to, to get back to a point you just made, like, yes, that's right. Like you can have only one application running of a certain type, of a certain name, so to speak, because each application has a unique name, which is an atom and atoms are unique, blah, 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 all that kind of thing. And which is also where this whole configuration topic comes in, because if you, for example, have one of your apps inside of your umbrella, which depends on, let's say Postgres, like, let's stick to the example, and you have another application which also needs Postgres, but they might need slightly different configuration for Postgres for whatever reason. And if Postgres does not give you like a built-in way to do that, for example, how Actor does it when you have an Actor repository, which you configure on the repository level, right? Like you don't configure Actor per se, you configure a specific repository for Actor. And if you don't have this being provided by the library, so if Postgres won't provide you that, then, then you're left hanging. Like There's no way to do this. There's no way in heaven to have, have like one release with both of these apps and different configurations for dependency. And this is actually the story where I said, like, I've been burnt by this. <laughs> we had at a, my first company where I used Elixir, which is now oh, six years, five years ago, something like that. Uh, we also had a big, big umbrella being developed for over, nearly two years. And I think it's like it's still being, being developed, but they, like the customer for which we did that, they now took development in-house and all that kind of stuff. And But there was one big umbrella app and we had exactly that scenario where we wanted, okay, one app dependent, both had two apps had the same dependency and they wanted slightly different configuration and just wasn't possible. I don't remember how we worked around that. Uh, I think it was, there was some talk around, okay, maybe actually open PR to make it possible, same like in fact the repositories, but it was really a pain. It was a pain. And that's, I'm not sure how, how open the documentation about this is now, but it wasn't that open about this topic back then, at least. Like, it wasn't, there's no, no warning, for example, in docs like, hey, okay, 
if you do umbrellas, that means you have shared configuration. And for example, this scenario is not possible. Yeah. So on the other hand, I'm kind of having a hard time coming up with like an alternative way of still having this closeness of code, so to speak, right? Like where you can have calls across boundaries without going through the network necessarily or without having to like do marshalization to JSON and demarshalize again, all the kind of stuff, like having basically microservices, separate services without having this as, an, as a problem. As long as you have two apps inside of your release, which both have a certain dependency, you're going to run into this. So I feel like there's no good answer to this problem at the moment. So for the Poncho project, right, the way that one works is you basically have multiple separate projects that are not an umbrella, but they reference each other somehow through using path rather than saying an umbrella. Path dependencies, yeah. yeah. It's path dependency rather than the uh, umbrella way. I I can, can see how that would be useful in the context of more separation because umbrella is by definition, everything is meshed together and path dependencies is only if you literally depend on each other, then then you have the, this potential conflict. Um, on the other hand, it gives, I can already think of that this brings more complexity when you want to deploy because umbrella said again, you can have one release and maybe have part, like multiple releases with different apps being part of these releases. But like the, the, this deployment story is a Basically, a solved problem there. And for Poncho app, so to speak, or for path dependencies, um, I guess you would have to decide like which apps of these actually need to be deployed. Or there's like, I don't know, like a big overarching one you would then depend on everything. I guess that really depends on your use case then. Any, do you have any experience with those kind of projects? I mean, you did say it was with nerves, so maybe you have done some nerves there. Play around with nerves in the Poncho part, but uh, I mean, I want to kind of go back to when you're talking about the boundaries, right? Isn't Doesn't Sasha Yurik have a library called Boundary, which actually helps to solve this issue of what you're trying to describe that you're worried about, about kind of keeping the cross-boundary communication? Are you are you thinking of Kniga? No, I'm thinking about Boundary. It's called Boundary from... Oh, okay. I mean, okay, Sasha, Sasha. Yurik. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you, are you trying to give yourself a plug? No, I was confused. <laughs> uh, there is a project from him named Boundary, yeah, but I'm not super familiar with what exactly it does. It does what you were just describing, is that you want to have everything in the same monolith, but you want to make sure that they don't mishmash together so you have this boundary thing. I, I haven't played with it before because I don't have so giant so it's, apps. It's basically for... cross-references. So anything, say, for example, repo calls, can only be made from your context app, right? So if you, if at your compile time, if there's any xrefs outside of that, boundary will give an error. Oh, that's interesting. It's like, but more on code organization level, not really on runtime restrictions, right? Because like right. those are two distinct things. Uh, this whole having only one app with no, not being able to have different versions and configure, configuration is kind of, I guess, compile, compile time depends on how you do configuration. But that is more comp- code boundary levels. I do think also the core team is working a bit on like this whole idea of, for example, having private modules, to those which are private to your application. There has been some talk on that. I don't know the status though. But yeah, um, to be honest, that, that does sound interesting for our endeavor because I mean, we want to still go down the route of like, okay, we have a monorepository, however that might look like um, Umbrella, Poncho, whatever. Um, but we still, of course, want to enforce these boundaries and, and like, keep things um, uncoupled because then they stay easy to change. And that is like a good thing microservices bring you 
but we want to remove a lot of the friction with like deployments and multiple multiple versions of like base images you need to take care of and, and security issues because a lot of these like a lot of the other problems microservices solve are more for an organizational level where you say okay we have multiple teams working on this whole product and they can't reasonably work on the same code base together and then microservices are great and they solve this problem but we are a group of free backend developers so <laughs> that's not really an issue <laughs> So yeah, that's why we want to move away from the complexities of microservices. And but yeah, still, I'm still get all the goodness of of all having enforced boundaries. There's this term being thrown around. I've, I've came across a few times. It's like modulus, and I kind of dig it to be honest because it's like a yes, money. You get the niceties of modulus without the spaghetti if done right. That's <laughs> if done right. That's always the big if. I think one thing from what I also remember. Was a problem I just, I just remember now is uh, um, running like mixed tasks on individual uh, oh, yeah. apps. So you want to test only a specific app, right? It was not easy because sometimes the, the, the way dependencies are that you might need to run another app before running an app. If, if your migrations are on a different app and all that stuff. So that... Uh, I remember that being a pain, and I <laughs> I wrote a very small library to fix that, but that was a very hacky library. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember that that, that was painful. It also, I remember that, for example, when you run mixed tests on the umbrella, like it, it recurses into the sub apps. But if like if I remember correctly, if one of the tests fails, then the whole process stops. Like it doesn't continue. No, no? I, okay. No, I think if one app fails, it would still go on the other. Okay, one. then, then I remember wrongly. But if you want to run a single app, I remember that was a pain. Like, yeah, it, it, because, again, the apps that depend on each other, that's, again, that boundary thing, right? Like, what does it even mean to test one app without the other one? So, yeah. Yeah, true. It's actually... Go, go ahead. Alan. No, sorry. I just get confused. Like, what's the point of having an app when we can just have a supervision tree, right? Isn't that already enough separation for things that are so related? Why do yes. we need to have a separate app? This is true as long as you do not want, like, as long as you want one big release containing everything, you can do that. Like, that's actually, this is like the thing you can, route you can go down, like having one OTP app, which contains everything, and then enforcing boundaries on a code level there. I mean, you can do that with like specify, okay, they are only allowed to communicate through top level, the top level module, for example, and you don't for, leak out Acto models, that kind of stuff. Like that, that's, that's the way you can do go down. But if you then decide, okay, maybe we want to have one release which runs uh, replicated on multiple nodes for example, to serve the API as we have a lot of traffic, but we only want to have like one or two replicas of this thing over there with like contains different parts of the app. And like, yes, you can still do that, but then it's a thing where you like need to take care of that individually. Like we say, okay, only some parts of my supervision tree should be started in this scenario, some other parts in that scenario. It's doable, but this is the point where having multiple apps makes it easier you can say, okay, I want to start these apps in this release, and I want to start these apps in this release. So it's a bit of a trade-off on that front. Does that make sense? There was actually something we did. Like in this big, big project I mentioned earlier, we had one part of the app because it was, it was an event source thing, and that was back when we were using Commander. That's back when Commander actually didn't have an easy way to say, okay, let's have Commander running on multiple nodes and like synchronize, for example, commands and events being generated across these nodes that was not 
easily possible back then. So we basically had like multiple read replicas of uh, our APIs and like only one replica, which would actually write. That was how we saw it. But it was also pretty hacky because we only encountered this issue <laughs> at a later point in the story, in the in the project. And we're like, okay, wait, we, now we have this scenario where some of his things are writing and some are reading and we can only write once, but we want to replicate because we have perfect. And yeah, but if you go down this road from the get from the beginning and say, okay, now I know that this is going to be a thing where I'm going to want to deploy maybe some parts of the app here and some parts differently than having multiple apps is simpler not easy but simpler <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so i think but uh, yeah i do want to bring up another alternative that people usually bring instead of umbrella right uh, i think uh, so alan brought one as uh, supervision tree what about just using one project and every other project as a mixed dependency right like still keeping them in a separate git repo but like include them as a just a mixed dependency and like you still you can at configuration level decide what you know how to configure that application based on you know what you just mentioned and what apps to start how how would an umbrella app help more than this can you come again here like what exactly are you proposing i'm not sure so you have an umbrella app right you have all the individual apps inside the umbrella app each app in i'm not saying go microservices mm-hmm. right but each app in their own repo and one app include them as a mixed dependency, right? And it still allows you to access all of the application, package them as one and deploy as one, right? And oftentimes people propose this as an alternative to using an umbrella app. The question is, why would I even go down the road for multiple Git repositories then? Because either I need to include them as like Git submodules to have like a path dependency, or I actually need to publish them somewhere, right? I need to say, okay, they get published to my private mix repository. Like, so if oh, you, you can even use GitHub, right, to uh, to pull in your mixed dependencies. Is like does GitHub support? Oh, this is, is this is mix has a Git. Yeah. Okay. 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 You, can, you can do that. Yeah. Okay. You can can say okay, it's a Git a Git dependency. That's true. You can do that. So Although the advantage of this is that each app can still be tested and developed on individually, like independent of the main configuration. It makes development a lot easier. As long as you actually value this, okay, I want to be able to develop these parts independently from each other, which, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, in our specific case is not that important because we're free people. <laughs> like, the synchronization across free people is going to stay easy. We might hire a fourth, like, working student kind of soonish, but that's about it. And if we still get the, the, the boundaries right, uh, then moving to that model, for example, becomes easier, as you said earlier, right? Like, where you had the umbrella app and then you moved to something else, and that was fairly easy. As long as you had the boundaries right, it, it, it should be uh, simple enough, so to speak. Yeah. And, like, I mean, the whole host of, of things you bring on board with multiple Git repositories is, again, you need to take care of, okay, you have deployments and pipelines and like, okay, now you want to maybe have an as- assembly, you want to have multiple GitHub action pipelines or whatever kind of CI, CD system you're using. So yeah, I, I, I'm not against it, I'm saying, but I, it's not free lunch, you know? You can still deploy the one project where you are bringing all the dependencies. If I only want to deploy this one project, I'm not, I'm not even right. sure. Like, you might have multiple things you want to deploy. This is this is actually I feel like an interesting thing you can do if if you have multiple apps. I mean, we mentioned it earlier a bit with like having multiple release options basically. But I can't imagine us doing that. I can't imagine us having like one deployment which is really about okay, this is the end user, the end customer facing API part, right? And this only contains 
these sub apps, like only these need to run for this to work. And then we have never deployment an artifact, which for example, consumes payment information because payment is like a thing we need to take care of, but that doesn't necessarily need to run inside of the same, in our case, Docker container, which handles the API traffic and they can be scaled differently, but we could still have all of this in the one repository. And if, for example, we do need to do like a larger scale refactoring, we say, okay, this actually is not working so nicely and we have some cross boundaries, thresholds, and for example, like events change or whatever, we, and we need to take care of that. That all becomes a whole, whole, whole lot simpler if you do it in the same repository, if yeah. you're ex- compared to having it in different repositories. Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs, and lately I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate, intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance, I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, Go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching. Yep. Yes, it really comes down to, like I said, like the configuration of the configurability of deploying, right? All of those with like something like distillery, like Umbra has already figured that out, right? So yeah, but yeah, I guess Poncho apps, so to speak, with like path dependencies, could do that too. You could say, okay, these app and these app and these app, like these are my de- deploy things. These are my deploy targets. Question is, like, you would probably want to like maybe highlight that in one fashion or another, and I'm not quite sure how that would work. Uh, and I mean, one thing I really, really don't like with these path or Git or whatever dependencies, if you like include another app as a dependency, that app loses its configuration. Like dependency configuration only works on like a top level app, so to speak. And that is actually I, I get why they're doing that, but it's 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 really annoying when you have a scenario where you say, okay, my my app I want to configure it in a certain way. And then you can actually not and like oh, and I also want to configure it in a certain way and I want to depend on it in another place. And you can actually not use config files. Like it's it's not a thing you can do unless you want to copy paste over the configuration. The thing you have to do is basically put all the co- relevant default configuration inside of the code, so to speak, like the rapid way. Say, okay, I, I'm gonna, for example, now fetch the application config, but I am gonna provide sensible defaults for that. And it's like this is not a solved problem. And there's actually a pretty great talk from from Dave Thomas where he talks about <laughs> all of these problems. <laughs> exactly. Also this way, he says, okay, like, yeah, you have, the, you have this one app over here and it has a configuration, everything is great and has a secret and now you depend on that. But where's the configuration? <laughs> and like what, what he proposes there is pretty radical, I feel. I'm not sure if you've seen the, the talk, Adi. I have seen it, but I don't remember what he proposes. Like he proposed this component idea where he says, okay, like they are basically, right now we talk about apps and apps is like pretty overloaded term because it can mean yeah the thing you create with makes new. It can also mean the thing you deploy at the end is your application. Right. It can can also mean like this ODP app. Like it's, it's <laughs> these are all 
things we call apps without having this granularity of like, what exactly are we talking about here? Because an app might have a supervision tree or might not, both are possible, like an OTP mm -hmm. app, so to speak. And like what he proposes is like a more distinction there where he says, okay, it's a library, which does not have a supervision tree, so no state, a component, which does have a supervision tree, so it has state. And what he says, like an assembly, which is basically then mm. what we now talked about is like a release, as a deployment, something you actually put together and put in production. And like an assembly is like an assembly of components. Um, and I, I dig the idea, to be honest. I'm not 100% on board with what he proposes in his talk with like what a component should be because like he goes super granular. Like, okay, a component should be like one OTP app because that's just the nature of things, but only be one file. One file with, like one with, with code in it and it should be like a fairly concise file. And like that's, I feel like that's a level of granularity which you don't necessarily need. I can imagine it being useful in certain high complex scenarios, high, uh, right. high complexity scenarios. But 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 wouldn't it be more than one file plus an OTP app? It, it'd be all the environment attached to the application on top of it, right? Yeah, I mean one one code file, so to speak, which contains a business logic. Gotcha. So gotcha. that's that's gotcha. what you meant. Again, of course, you still have a mix file, you still have tests, you still have a, maybe README, but only one file which actually contains interesting business logic. Mm. So, yeah, I'm not 100% on board with that. But I dig the idea of saying, okay, uh, we move away from just calling everything app <laughs> and are more more granular about our language and more make more conscious decisions about what we call what. Something like that. Yeah. Like I said, but the, the one thing I'm, I'm still not sure how to solve is this whole config story. I guess right now, if you want to... If you want to have multiple OTP apps depending on each other, there's no way around of doing a bit of busy work and, and managing configuration to yourself to a certain degree. Like well, what Dave proposes in his talk to have one component which is responsible for configuration and then embed that and also be capable of, for example, changing that for, for through like a web UI or something, which does sound kind of neat to be honest. But again, it's like code you have to write. <laughs> it doesn't come free of charge. So yeah. I guess it makes sense when you think of where where actually all of this comes from, with like Erlang being developed for telephone switches, and that it was like a pretty homo homogenous scenario, right? There's like this scenario of saying I want to have multiple releases which do different things on different places and still have some kind of shared code between them. I would imagine, even though I, of, of course wasn't there back then, uh, that this is not such an important thing when you develop software in this well-controlled environment, which telephone switches are. So yeah, shit's hard. <laughs> <laughs> There's no free lunch. Okay, Adi, like if you would have to build a greenfield project and like you know that there are like distinct but not isolated parts of your application having to talk to each other, how would you do, how would you do it now? Like, what, what I just did it. it. It's not, it's definitely not umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We went more of the microservices route and communication is, uh, uh, I mean, communication be, is like something we can control. And like the, like you said, like the apps, the dependency on each other, we can try to decrease that. With like you know, uh, certain communication can be event driven, for example, right? Yes, yes. Uh, and that that definitely helps certain apps to be like more asynchronously deployed and you know like uh, uh, backwards compatible. You know that can be enforced at the code level. So from like a infrastructure deployment communication standpoint, you can decrease the need to do something like umbrella application, right? With like which you said like like being able to package and deploy some multiple apps and certain artifacts, right? So yeah. But we are using, there are applications that 
share one of the many databases that they have. And that one shared database application is included as a mixed mixed dependency. Another approach could have been like putting all those applications Mm -hmm. in an umbrella app and deploy them as different configurations. It is pain to update the versions, (laughs) make sure that the versions are updated, but we have CI that uh, tells us that, hey, uh, that this app's version is different from the other app's version and that at least to some extent prevents bad data from being entered and with events being like backwards compatible the need to urgently deploy something is a lot less yeah okay fair enough how how many people are you if you don't mind me asking so many people are working on this system so we are only four right now (laughs) (laughs) so most of them joined this this month or, or, or last month so i I built most of this. So definitely an overkill a little bit in terms of my, how microservice we are, but it just, it, the results are showing up now. Just the ease of development, people can just come in and like without having to absorb an entire business context, look at the small thousand lines of code app and like start writing code, right? Yeah, that's where it really shines like the microservice architecture um, but, for like early stage. I mean, I don't want to like uh, be the bad guy here, but um, don't you think you could probably achieve the same with like a well-structured monorepo where you say, okay, there are different parts of application and for each sure. of those has its own readme again, for example. For sure, for sure. It just, um, I think it comes, it does come down to preference, right? Like yeah, you know, some of these things are definitely subjective. Like umbrella apps have done right. If you, ha- if you enforce things on CI that, you know, practices that you are establishing, like if you find a way to enforce that, like you can, for every steering umbrella app, right, and not transition if, if you do it right. So, uh, yeah, it uh, my mind is, did not think that way <laughs> when I was building uh, this app, this application. So I went this route. Yeah. What about you? If you were to build a greenfield app today, yeah, that's like I said. Like, I mean, it's, okay, it's not a greenfield app we have to build, like because right. we have existing code. But one way or another, it's a new project we're setting up, which is mm. meant to replace most if not all of the existing code right now right? Like, it's not a thing which will happen next week it's not a thing which will happen next month mm-hmm. it's probably also not a thing which will happen next year like in, in the terms <laughs> of like having replaced everything but this is the journey and the vision we want to go down and, and like I said like it's just this decision I have to make right now to be honest I'm leaning towards the idea of poncho apps like having different distinct separate apps which then depend on each other through path dependencies and have one model repository to do so that's what i'm leaning towards um we are also planning on doing asynchronous communication where possible and synchronous communication where necessary and like i feel that's like a good mantra right like async where possible sync where necessary and that's exactly where i like async works perfectly fine with like multiple services in com- being independent of each other. Sync is where the pain is, right? Uh, where your network is, and that's like the whole, all this. This is the, the part of the complexity like we want to erase. Like we won't, don't want to care about network because then you need to about consider retries and like circuit breakers and all, all this kind of stuff, which is necessary but not core of your business. Like mm-hmm. I don't get paid to write retry logic. <laughs> I right. get paid to solve business problems. And this is why we said, okay, we uh, want to to move away from this network separated communication and then have like clear dependencies on parts of the app where there is synchronous communication need. And then the, all that happens like inside of the same what is then? I wanted to say app, but I mean, that's also not entirely <laughs> true, right? Uh, assembly, deployment, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you at least remove this whole layer of potential um, error 
error of causes of potential friction. Um, I mean, of course, for us now, with, with being sitting here and like musing about the advantages, it all sounds too good to be true. But it's certainly better than what we have right now, because right now, what we have right now is not quite, but close to this distributed ball of mud, right? Mm. <laughs> and there's like some asynchronous communication going on, but also some kind of synchronous and even like in parts of the same context for the same kind of information because with asynchronous communication comes, uh, what is it again called? Eventual consistency. Right. And there are actually some parts of the system which don't want eventual consistency. So we have like this async capabilities of communicating, but at the same time, they're like, oh no, now maybe things are out of date. So I still do the API call and it's, it's some part, part wow. of this are just insane. And yeah. Um, yeah. so yeah, the idea is to have multiple apps as Umbrella, as Poncho, however, and communicate if where possible through well-defined events as through an event bus of some sorts and only if necessary depend directly depend on each other and do synchronous calls. Yeah. I'm actually also concerned like I'm I talk with our CTO and um, I want to propose that we might do some kind of like for example, strategic domain-driven design workshop to get everybody on up to speed on some of the principles of how to compose bigger parts of software together and what are possible patterns to do that. Mm. But yeah, it's, it's it's not easy. It's not simple. Nothing ever mm-hmm. is, to be honest. Otherwise, it probably, probably probably wouldn't be paid as much as we get right? <laughs> as a software <laughs> developer. So everything was simple. For sure. And also not everything, and there isn't really a right answer too, right? Like, I mean, uh, like you're saying, like, the, yeah, you can go the microservices route and like totally, totally bungle it. Yeah. <laughs> and we can go to Umbrella and Umbrella and totally bungle it. At least with Umbrella, like you said, you saw, you saw the current problem, which is like the difficulty in the synchronous communication and with Umbrella, you're just bringing them in the same virtual machine, same ecosystem, communicate via Elixir instead of network, make it a lot more deterministic, no worry about trace, distributed tracing, whatnot, right? Like everything just like straightforward. That makes sense. Yeah. Like the one thing, for example, I don't know is like, but I guess it should work. Uh, if, if we have, for example, multiple deployables, multiple artifacts, and they all, like some of them go to the same database, but I guess that should work. I mean, that's like a solved problem, right? I mean, if you have replication and stuff, that's basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. When you have replicated app and all go to the same database. So yeah, as I was supposed to think, is this, this going to be a problem if like one part of the app, I don't know, payments, for example, needs to access the same kind of data as another part right. of the app? But I get the end of the day, if you have a replicated app, which all exists, it's, it's the same deal. So I guess that right. should not be a problem. So they, they are accessing the same table. Yeah. The idea would, would be not to have like the different code parts of the app, which access the same table, right? but the same shared code, but then in multiple deployables. Mm. But I guess so that you- should be fine. Right. And because they're the same mixed project, you'll probably you'll ensure the application level that all the apps expect the same table structure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's an advantage. Again, here's an advantage of Umbrella, right? You don't have to like uh, package that shared de- database app as a dependency and make sure the version is the same. You can just enforce yeah. it in there. Yeah. Like also one, one, one design principle I want to really take is like this, the, some of the ideas of uh, hexagonal architecture or onion architecture. Right? I'm not sure if you're familiar with those. I'm not. Okay. Now, the basic idea is that your application depends on multiple layers, like an onion, but not layers in the sense of like horizon to like I bought that view layer or controller level and blah blah blah, but more of like okay, make reduce dependencies the further you go down. So dependency arrows, so to speak, just the direction of dependencies is only allowed to go inwards. Mm. And inwards, like in the most inner thing is like your core business logic. And that doesn't depend on anything if possible or reasonable, right? right? And then on like one layer above that, you would like to say, okay, you depend on the 
core core logic, and then maybe even also on like a database layer. But like your, your core logic, for example, doesn't even care about database layer. It says, okay, I we really only care about the business logic. And then layer above that says, okay, let's load from the database. Let's then apply the business logic. Let's save again to the database. And then the layer above that, for example, says, okay, these are ports. It's like I think the language from hexagonal architecture. Where it's okay, for example, I have a web port, so I have, I have a web interface to to communicate with the service layer, which does the with orchestration, and I have maybe another port which like listens to events from an event bus, and I have another port which listens to a command line application because I don't know that's the thing you want to do, <laughs> right? But you, you get what I mean, right? Uh, right. The, the, the real inner parts of your application where the business logic resides, they don't care about how they interact. They, they provide this clearly defined API on the code level. Then how you make that accessible to the rest of the world is is left to other parts, and this is what I this is like a principle I would not re- apply religiously mm-hmm. because there are some parts which don't necessarily have the need for for example don't know about databases and stuff maybe there's just simpler to go and just have it all as actor models but these parts still arguably probably don't need Phoenix stuff inside of them right like there could be a separate app which then depends on that and makes it accessible as an API so if like my third app which has which wants to consume events from like some kind of event bus that again could depend on this internal database management application but don't care about phoenix right so this is uh, something i definitely want to cons- want to make sure that we consider that we only pull in the dependencies for each distinct part of the app where we need them does it make sense yeah yeah totally makes sense yeah i had not heard of that architecture i think there's like it's like a there's a clean architecture which is from our our favorite um, developer rob here uncle bob everybody likes Mm. uncle bob right Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and (laughs) there's like hexagonal architecture and onion architecture they have like an overlap on that idea of like where you say okay the dependencies should only go one direction and you want to in your core business logic want to have at least dependencies as possible and that's reasonable i guess because, like I said, some some parts, some domains of your, some bounded context of your application, of your system, might not need that scrutiny. And they mm. will be just fine with like having everything as like actor models or whatever. But yeah, yeah. okay. And actually, I feel like the whole discussion has, has had its value and like make, maybe making me a bit more certain about what kind of direction we want to go. At the end of the day, it's not my decision to make; it's a decision of a team. But they have been very interested in what I think about that kind of stuff. So um, as, I've, as I've come in with a lot of experience in, in building these kind of systems. So yeah, exciting That's times. Maybe you can like a, make like, oh my God, everything has gone wrong episode in one year. <laughs> 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 Whatever you do, don't do what I did. <laughs> Who knows? And <laughs> when is like the anniversary for, for your architecture, Adi? So when can we make the one year episode for, for your decisions? Yeah, um, beginning of October. We'll see what okay. goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might actually make sense to come back to some of the talk here and, yeah, and see where, where we ended up. Could be very valuable. For sure. Okay. Anything else? Anything or have, do you think we have it covered? I think so. Nice. Um, then let us transition to picks. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show or If you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. And usually I would ask Alan what kind of Rust book he's been reading, but he we've lost him along the way. So Adi, do you have any picks for us? 
Yeah, I have one small pick. We talked about microservices and some of the patterns and stuff, right? And, and I, I remember this being a huge resource in like 2017 when I was like reading more about it. It's just my, it's called microservices.io. It's uh, it's it's a crazy resource. Like if you're interested in like several patterns uh, that go into microservices, how to you know make your applications more reliable, different style of communications, different deployment patterns, different ways to test. This covers everything so the link will be in the show notes nice i'm not quite sure what to pick this week i didn't have any picks when we started to be honest but we did talk a lot about this like okay hexagon architecture i don't have a particular pick for that i would just recommend you folks to to google that and maybe i can also include some interesting article in the show notes but one pick i would like to make because i do feel that this tackles a lot of the complexity and ideas we discussed is um, this whole area of like strategic domain-driven design. And there's like not one particular book I can think of, but if you are not familiar with some of the ideas of domain-driven design, I can really recommend Domain-Driven Design Distilled by Vaughn Vernon. It's a, for technical books, it's a relatively short book. I'm not sure how many pages it has, but I would be surprised if it has 300 pages. I would, I would put it more in the, in the area of like maybe 200, 250. And it really it's like a distilled version of like all the ideas of domain-driven design. It, of course, does not only contain strategic domain-driven design, which is like this high-level architecture thing, but it also contains um, like, what is the other strategic? And oh, I forgot there's a word for that. Like we have a part of domain-driven design, which is more on the code level, like patterns, like aggregates and all that kind of stuff. I forgot how it's specifically called right now. But yeah, so if you are not that familiar with domain-driven design, then I would really recommend to take a look at uh, domain-driven design distilled by Vaughn Vernon. It was like maybe the book which opened the door for me, so to speak. Because I mean, there's this big book from Eric Evans, Domain-Driven Design. And that's actually kind of a hard read, which makes sense because that, like Eric Evans basically like pioneered a lot of these ideas. And so at that point, a lot of these ideas were not that well fleshed out yet. So the book is a bit confusing to read. But Von Vernon took a lot of these ideas and like really, yeah, distilled them in this book. And then from there on, you can still go on and like read more and have already great basis to, to figure out what all of that means. So yeah, but that's, that's my pick for this week. Okay, then thanks, Adi. It was a pleasure as usual. And you folks tune in next time when we have another episode of Elixir Mix. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.